believe I'm powered on now. Uh, the bell rang, and so we'll go ahead and get started. We do have a lot uh, to cover. If you want to open to Genesis 19, we'll kind of pick up where we um, kind of left off uh, last week. Um, so right at the tail end of uh, our discussion last week, uh, there's a little bit of discussion about um, Lot and his daughters and his son-in-laws. And I'd forgotten a, a discussion on that of whether or not Lot had two daughters or four daughters. Uh, the Bible doesn't explicitly tell, and sometimes there's not a lot of um, good and just diving in and arguing over those things because uh, the Bible doesn't explicitly tell us and so obviously it wasn't that super important. But for your curious minds, that may work a little bit like mine. Um, I did put a couple right at the start of your seat here of a little bit of arguments of whether or not there was two or four. And, the, and where this comes from is really in verse 14 there's these words, and it depends on the translation that you use, as to, in, in Genesis 19, in verse 14, there's this, So Lot went out and said to his son and sons-in-laws, some versions say, who were to marry his daughters. Um, I think a couple versions say, who... Uh, had pledged to marry his daughters, something along those lines. And then some say, uh, some versions say, uh, like the King James, the New King James say, who were married uh, to, or who had married his daughters. So that's where the discussion brings up. We also have this thought, uh, there was, uh, it was said earlier that, um, you know, Lot, when he was trying to stop the men that were trying to come into his home to get these uh, two visitors, the two angels that had come and visited, um, he had offered his two daughters who had not known a man. So the question brings, okay, were there two daughters or four daughters? Um, so there's two thoughts, and we'll just hit this real quickly. Again, it's one of those really doesn't matter, uh, but we'll, we'll cover both arguments, if you will. So if there were two daughters, verse 8, both of them were virgins because they had not known a man. And that means they were probably betrothed to or about to marry uh, these sons-in-laws. If there were two, then that means that these two sons-in-laws were some of the men that were outside the house trying to get in because uh, the scriptures say that um, every man from the youngest to the oldest were, was outside the house trying to get to these uh, men. But they were also, uh, yes, they were in verse 4. They were had gathered to know the two visitors. But that also means that they perished with the city because they didn't escape with Lot. That could uh, show of why Lot hindered just a little bit because... Uh, he, he did ter uh, tarry just a little bit. He had spoken to those two sons-in-laws, but they thought he was uh, kidding uh, about the city was going to be destroyed. We need to get out. Um, and so that's one argument, I guess you could say. 
If that were the case, then Lot did save his two um, his two daughters. So his two daughters, his wife, and himself left the city. However, if the two daughters, um, if the sons-in-laws were married to two other daughters, here's a couple uh, other um, arguments here. If there were four, then two were virgins and two were already married. The two that were virgins were in the home and two that were married were outside. But again, a couple uh, facts. If there were four, then two sons-in-laws were part of the group in verse 4 who gathered outside. They were also those who perished in the city. And if there were four, why didn't Lot get them? Why didn't he attempt to get them? So in verse 12, 19, 12, the two men who were the visitors said to Lot, have you want anyone else here? Sons-in-laws, son, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of the place. So the question goes, why did he only mention the sons-in-laws? Why did he go outside to only mention the sons-in-laws? Is that because they were outside the door and his daughters might have been other place in town and he couldn't get to them safely or, or whatever? Maybe he didn't want to leave or, or whatever. We, we don't know those things and the Bible doesn't tell us. But some things that do think, if he did have two other daughters, then they must have been wicked because they wouldn't have been part of those that the angels tried to save. And so the question is, were they um, living? Uh, were they wicked too? Now, the question is, if there were other daughters, then were there other sons as well? Because that was mentioned by the angels. Um, were, you know, do, you, do you have anybody else you want to get out of the city? So then the question goes, okay, if there's four in the house... And let's say there's at least four outside the house, two other daughters and two other sons-in-laws. Could there have been two sons as well? If so, would that make sense as to why Abraham only stopped at ten? These are all just questions. The Bible doesn't explicitly say, so we're not going to spend time. But if you want to just have extra credit uh, um, reading and studying and just mulling over these things, uh, that's something to say. I did ask uh, Hiram, um, y'all may not know this, but Hiram can just read Hebrew. And so I said, hey, Hiram, uh, what does the Hebrew say right there on, on this? And, and the word is, it does clearly say sons-in-laws, but the word there about whether or not they were married or not married says what now? It's a little vague. Took his daughters. So this word took, we're going to see it also today in just a minute. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this either, but with Abimelech. Abimelech, uh, we get into uh, here in a couple chapters, um, chapter 20, we have where Abraham once again says that Sarah has, uh, was his sister. So the king, Abimelech, says that he took Sarah. This concept of took also appears a little bit later this week when we talk about Isaac and Rebekah. 
so uh, Abraham sent his oldest servant to go take a wife. Basically, it's going to be Rebecca for uh, Isaac. So this idea of took may mean that they're going to marry, take it with the intention to marry. It may be that they have already married. It, it could be both. So that's where some versions have this, uh, that they were going to be married, and some say that they're not. Uh, they're both, it's, it's a little vague in that, um, in that uh, particular uh, verse when it translates to English. Exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, my comments in class last week were directed at having two daughters. But I had forgotten about this argument a little bit of whether there were two or four. Now, I will say Jewish tradition holds that there were four, um, for whatever that matters or what that's worth. Um, but, it, again... The argument really doesn't matter about salvation for for us. Um, we do know that only four escaped, and and everybody else perished in in the town. And so, if there were four, then they must have been wicked and must have perished with there. If there were two, they escaped um, with Lot. So let's uh, jump in at verse 17, and we're going to move kind of quickly today because. I'll tell you why, and you, I hope you don't get frustrated with me moving quickly. But there are some things in Genesis that are good for the story, uh, good knowledge to have. There are events that took place. But we're going to mainly focus today on Isaac. And the reason why Isaac is because through Isaac was the promise made uh, to Abraham um, and to us. And that's. Uh, that's what we're going to spend uh, the most time on uh, today. Um, just another little teaser. We'll get to this at the end. How many sons, not counting Ishmael, but how many sons did Abraham have? How many? Did you know he had seven? I didn't. I'd, I'd forgotten that, but we'll get to that here at the end. Um, we'll we'll uh, cover that because he remarried after Sarah died. And so Abraham had six more sons by a second wife. You might, might have forgotten there. It's just kind of slid in there uh, a little verse, but we'll, we'll get to that here uh, at the end. So chapter 19, verse 17, hang on to your seats and we'll cover through this. So we touch uh, briefly verse 17, 1917. That lot was told to escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills lest you be swept away. This is important to remember that they were told not to look back. Um, but uh, Lot bargained in verse 20. Um, hey, there's another city close to here. Um, they're having to travel through the night. And he's wondering, okay, how do I get through the night? I, don't, I doubt they had uh, LED flashlights, and they didn't have a car with good headlights to go. And so the dark, you know, they're traveling by dark um, to, to head out. And um, Lot bargained, in verse 20, to escape to Zoar. Now, Zoar is on the bottom of the Red Sea. The reason, only reason why I mention that is if you look in 
uh, one of these days I'll, I'll pull up a map, but if you later on when the children of Israel, the different tribes have their territory, actually the Moabites and Edenites, uh, um, Ammonites, I'm sorry, uh, are on the bottom of the uh, Dead Sea and uh, kind of on the, that would be the east, east side of the Dead Sea where the Arabian Desert is. Um, that's where they end up settling. And we'll, that'll make sense to you here in just a minute. So they bargained to escape to Zoar. This favor was granted. Lot escaped to Zoar in the night, verse 22. Verse 23, God rained sulfur and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. But he did this in the next morning. Notice verse 23. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. So he traveled through the night. The next morning is when God rained down um, uh, the uh, sulfur and fire uh, on there. Well, in verse 26, but Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Now this must have been some kind of display uh, from heaven. Um, the sulfur and fire raining down. The reason why I say that, many, many miles away, you have Abraham. Um, let's see. Verse 27, went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord up on top of a mountain. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he looked and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So he could see it uh, as well. And so Lot looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. Um, I was asked last week, I won't say by who, um, that, okay, she turned into a pillar of salt. Did Lot ha take his animals with him as they went? Well, we'll just stay quiet on that question. But anyways, um, verse 30. Uh, 30 through 8. So Lot escaped with his two uh, daughters then. Uh, Lot gets scared to say in Zoar. So he does end up making it to the hills outside of Zoar. So they go to a cave in the hills with his two daughters. His two, um, his two daughters um, say there's no one for us to marry. Uh, no one for us to have kids with. So they get their father drunk two different nights and uh, they get pregnant from uh, their, uh, their father. And that's the start. The main reason why we're told that is uh, verses 37, 38, um, that that's the start of the Moabites and the Ammonites. And so that's um, the groups that live below the Dead Sea there. Anything on chapter 19 that you have question about of, of what I've mentioned here? All right, let's jump in chapter 20. And this, again, is a chapter we're not going to spend a lot of time. Uh, I'll just kind of summarize it. Abraham and uh, Sarah journeyed to Gerar, where Abimelech was the king. Abraham once again said that Sarah was a sister. 
So Abimelech sent and took Sarah to become his wife. This is in verses 1 and 2. So God appears to Abimelech in verse 3, tells him you're a dead man. God tells him in the vision, you're a dead man. And it gets Abimelech's attention. Uh, Verse 5 tells us that um, Abimelech tells God, did he himself not say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. But notice verse 6. This has other implications for us. And the reason why I'm pointing this out, you may want to highlight this in, in your Bible. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning. I say all this, God knows the heart. And this is repeated throughout the Bible. And it's important for us to, uh, to know. And here, this guy was acting um, out of good conscience, if you will. Later in the New Testament, Saul was acting out of good conscience, but he was still wrong. Sometimes our conscience isn't always the best guide. Here's a case here where he's acting out of good conscience. He act, he's acting out of what is told from him, but God said, and it was I who kept you from what? Sinning. So even though he was acting in good conscience, he would have been wrong if he would have um, taken Sarah as his wife. So that's a key verse there that you might want to highlight there. Another interesting verse is verse 11. Verse 11, Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place. And they will kill me because of my wife. Now, we'll say Sarah must have been very good looking and kept her age well because she was 91 right now. And, and uh, so that, that must have been the case. Um, and, but Abraham did this because he thought for sure they're going to kill me because of his wife. Abraham uh, was uh, proud of uh, Sarah and his wife and uh, that's why he did this. But what's interesting about that Abraham says, I did this because I thought there was no fear in God. But what happened here? Abimelech, God spoke to Abimelech, and what did Abimelech do? Did he listen? Yeah, he listened. So there was fear of God, even among the king there. And so that's what's interesting uh, to me about this uh, passage is that Abraham said this because he thought there was no fear in God. There ended up being fear of God, and that's what saved him. All this, I think God's hand was definitely in this and working through the situation. All right, let's go to chapter 21. We're going to keep moving. This I told you that we're going to focus more on the promise of Isaac and on Isaac today. And so there's a couple key verses Verse 1 is a key verse if you want to highlight or mark it. Uh, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah what? As he had promised. 
Um, so remember, they had promised uh, Abraham, God promised Abraham way back when, when he left, and God called him out. But then he's repeated this promise. He repeated the promise even a year uh, prior. And here we're told that he kept the promise. In verse 2, Sarah conceived and bore Abraham. Now there's a couple interesting passages. So uh, someone turn over to Hebrews chapter 11 for us. Um, because Hebrews 11 is one of the neat uh, passages. I'll get you to read in just a second. But here in verse 2, in 21-2, we're told, Sarah conceived, bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time which God had spoken uh, to him. Now, it's interesting that Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And what does Isaac mean? Okay, son of promise. Does anyone have another uh, um, footnote? God, God is laughing now. Uh, so there, uh, there's a couple little uh, verses here. So uh, notice verse 6. Um, verse 5, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. In other words, when they hear that I had this son and I nursed him when I was 91 and Abraham's 100, everybody's just going to laugh. That's a good old story there that he's going to laugh at. So I'm going to name him Isaac uh, because of that. Now, what's even interesting Notice what the Bible calls Abraham in Hebrews. Who uh, somebody may have that? Um, Hebrews eleven. Um, I didn't write down the verse. So there's a verse where it says he's as good as dead. Um, does anyone see that? Oh, verse twelve. I did write down eleven and twelve. Someone read verses eleven and twelve. If you don't think God has a, a sense of humor, uh, I hope you see it in this. But Abraham was called as good as dead. Now, he ended up living to 175, but he was 100 here. But it says he was born to him in his old age. He was as good as dead. Have you ever heard that uh, phrase? Um, but that's what Abraham's called here. My point in that is, and we don't need to lose this, is God over and over in the Bible does what seems to be impossible. And he shows up in a big way when there's no doubt that it could be anything other than God that accomplished it. Now there's a lot of similarities between the birth of Isaac and Jesus. There's a couple similarities, uh, a lot of this foreshadowing of what's to come. What are some of the similarities here between um, birth of Isaac and, and Jesus? All right, it's considered to be impossible. Now, two different things. Jesus was born of a virgin, uh, which is, is even bigger, a bigger uh, miracle, a miracle. Uh, what's interesting me about this whole thing about Abraham, he's as good as dead, but we're going to see in chapter 25, he ended up marrying again and having six more kids. Um, but Sarah was 91. 
And she laughs because uh, she nurses him and people are just going to laugh uh, about it. And uh, that's, that's what uh, she laughs about. What's some other similarities? I saw another hand. Son of promise. Son of promise. Uh, so uh, this uh, Isaac actually is promised in both ways. We're going to be blessed since foretelling of Jesus how he's going to be blessed. Also, God himself announced both situations. In both instances, God announced himself to people on earth that uh, the child would be born. Did that uh, in a a dream to um, Mary and Joseph. Um, And he also um, announced uh, to the shepherds. But we also have here where it was announced um, here several times where God indicated that they would um, uh, be born. So um, that there's some similarities. The point we need to get is there is no doubt that this was God. I hope that you, I say this with, um, I don't wish bad luck on you. But there are times probably in all of our lives where we see, maybe not right in the moment, but sometimes we do see it in the moment where God has directly answered our prayers. And when something seemed impossible, that it happened. Maybe not like this. Maybe not uh, somebody's going, uh, we're going to announce next week of someone 91 that's had a child. Maybe not in that way. But hopefully you have seen in your life, I've seen it in my life, where God has answered prayers. Not in a miraculous way, but in a way where I've seen God has answered those prayers and he's been there. And God is still there. He is still active. And we need to realize that um, God is uh, there, active, and answering uh, prayers. Sure. Right. Right. And what's neat about this situation with that is Abraham had doubt, just like we have doubt. He is one, and he and Sarah tried to help God, you know, uh, with that. Well, maybe he means this, maybe he means that, but he had doubt, but God still followed through and answered prayers. Um. Yeah, the, the point we have to realize is the power is not in us, it's in God. Some people get mixed up when they think the power is in themselves and they have the ability to perform a miracle. We don't have that power. No one on this earth in today's time has that power. The apostles did have some power, but really the power came from God, not directly from the apostles. Did I see a hand? Okay. All right, let's keep going. Um, So verses 8 through 21, I'm going to kind of summarize here. Uh, There's a feast when Isaac was weaned. Verse 9, Sarah saw Ishmael at the feast laughing in mockery, basically, at Isaac. Um, Just a little side note, it doesn't matter, but... If you compare chapter, if you just want to write down what I did write down here for you, 16, 16, and 21, 5, 
if you do the math there, Ishmael was around, uh, I said Isaac here, I meant Ishmael was around 13 to 14 uh, in that um, age range. But Sarah got upset. In verse 10, Sarah asked Abraham to cast out Hagar and Ishmael so that he would not be an heir with Isaac. And so verses 12 through 13, Abraham's trying to figure out what to do here. And this is another key verse. God speaks to Abraham and says, Isaac, number one, who's his offspring, would be named. Um, Isaac is who his offspring would be named. In other words, God is, uh, the promises are going to come through Isaac. And then secondly, he tells him he's going to make a nation from Ishmael because he was from Abraham. Now let me point out a couple little things here. Verse 18, we're told, God tells Hagar, in your offspring shall all the nations of, pardon me, that's not right. I'm getting mixed up here. That is, yes, uh, I was looking for Hagar. Yes, I'm sorry. I was looking at 22.18, but if you look at 21.18, I will make him into a great nation. Now, we're going to turn over to chapter 25 real quick because it keeps a thread together here. And we may run out of time at the end of class. So uh, chapter 25, verses 13 through 18. What we're told here, I'll just sum up. That Ishmael had 12 princes. He had 12 sons. He was blessed with 12 sons. What is, why does that mean anything? God said that he would make him a great nation. What did that nation end up being? What do we know it today as? The Islamic nations. Basically, these 12 tribes, uh, these 12 princes are the early Islamic tribes. Just in your history, if you want to read, it does, it's not stated in the Bible anyway, but if you want to read through history and study Muslim or Islamic uh, heritage, you know, they look as Abraham as their father. And they look at um, their son being the firstborn son. And so they claim heritage to, and they worship God. Uh, but... Muhammad was, it's said that he was born to, verse 13, Kedar, one of those, that tradition says that he was born to that particular prince. Um, I, I have not studied that, I don't profess to know a whole lot about that, but if you're interested in studying that, that may be something to, to dive into further. Again, what does it matter to you and I? All we know is that God did make a great nation out of uh, of um, Ishmael, or he had a great nation um, there. Um, I, I shouldn't have said God made a great nation. There's difference. Uh, he would have a great nation there. Uh, he made a great nation out of Isaac. It's also exactly. It's like this was us. And and that's where the that has still been fighting to this day. Uh, back and forth, and they'll keep uh, fighting uh, there back and forth. And that's, 
that's relevant uh, to us to at least uh, know about. All right, back to chapter 21. So verse 14, Abraham gave Hagar bread and a skin of water, sent her away. I mistyped here at the bottom when the water, it should say, was gone, um, not God. When the water was gone, Hagar put Ishmael under the bushes, went about a bow shot away. And a key verse, if you want to uh, highlight it again, just remember there's a key verse two weeks ago we looked at where we know that God listened to Hagar. Here's a second time when God listened to Hagar. Uh, verse 17, and God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. My only point to this is God knows and sees all and pays attention. And if you think you're insignificant and don't matter, they're wandering around here in the wilderness and... Um, um, God hears them, and so we need uh, to realize that. Any questions on chapter 21? I know I'm hitting some highlights here. We're keeping moving. Right. But God still listened and still looked at after her, and this is the second time that that uh, took place. Uh, I think that gives us insight to God's uh, heart there. All right, let's jump to chapter 22. Chapter 22, um, we have the sacrifice of Isaac. Now, of all the passages we've looked at today, I would venture to say that chapter 22 is probably our most familiar. I say that, I'm not going to uh, skip it or anything, but we're going to hit the highlights here because I feel like you've um, heard the story and listened to the story. Um, so let's um, point out a few key things. Verse 1, we're told, after these things, God tested Abraham. So this is a, a giant test there. It makes me wonder, okay, has God tested me? Um, has he tested you? Is he doing that right now? Are you going through a test? Do, do we pass the test? How do we handle ourselves in the test? Um, uh, it's something to think through. Verse, uh, key verses. Verse 2. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. What does that sound to you like? Somebody said it. Speak up. Jesus, this is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. Sounds real similar. First time love is specifically um, mentioned. A good point uh, there. Um, God, uh, there's a lot of similarities and sometimes when we think how could God, a great great God, loving God, send his son to die on the cross, this is one of the passages 
where it illuminates to us that God did know. He's testing Abraham here, and he knows how much um, Abraham loves him. But let's notice a few uh, other things. Verse 5, then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and, and worship and what? Come again to you. Did he say, and I'll come back to you and I'm going to leave Isaac? He basically indicated, we're going to come back to you. God, uh, Abraham had faith. We're told in Hebrews 11 that he had faith as he uh, went through this. He might not have known the details, but he had, he had faith there. Verse 7, so Isaac says to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? So there's all kinds of lessons here. Number one, Isaac knew what worship was like. He had been part of that. He had known that. He knew, hey, there's supposed to be a lamb uh, here. But he also was sharp enough to know, uh, hey, where's the lamb here? Um, where, um, and notice uh, verse 8. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they both, so they went, both of them together. Abraham knew God would provide somehow. Now I can't imagine the emotions that he's going through there. He just had to believe somehow that God would provide, whether it's through his son or some, some other uh, way. But when he stopped him, when God stopped him, in verse 10 and 11, notice verse 12, he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. So Abraham, uh, or God knew that Abraham feared God. Does God know that you and I fear him? He knew that Abraham knew uh, that. Verse 14, so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on, this, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Isn't that a comforting thought that the Lord will provide? Sometimes when we think we can't get through the next day, when we're at our toughest test, the Lord will provide. I hope if you're in the down the depths one day that you'll come to this and realize that whether it's from Hagar and Ishmael or whether it's Abraham or uh, Isaac here, whether it's Sarah and the uh, promise being made there. Okay. Our time is quickly, so let me mention a few uh, key things. Chapter 23, Sarah died. She lived to be 127, verse 1. Abraham was looking for a place to bury her, verse 5. The Hittite said of Abraham, you're a prince of God. You can have the choice 
of all tombs. Verse 9, they chose a cave of Machpelah. It was offered to give, Ephraim offered to give Abraham the, uh, the cave. Abraham insisted on paying it, verse 13. So chapter 24, um, Isaac and Rebekah. Let me do a summary here. Verses 1 through 4, Abraham asked his oldest servant to go back to his kinfolk to pick out a wife. Um, verse 6, he was not to take Abraham, Isaac back. Verse 7, Abraham said, hey, God's going to send an angel before you. So verse 10, this servant takes all sorts of choice gifts. Notice verse 12 of chapter 24. You might want to highlight this. So this servant, on the day he's there, prays, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Isn't that a neat prayer? Do we need that prayer from time to time? Please grant me success today. Show steadfast love to my Abraham. He says, Behold, I'm standing by a spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your jar that I may drink. And who shall say drink? I will water your camels. Let her be the one. You hear about the one? Find the one? Uh, he, he says, Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. Lo, lo and behold, that's exactly what happens. Rebecca comes out. She, uh, he asks for her to drink. She offers, and not only that, she waters his camels. He asks, "Hey, is there? Do you have room in your father's house?" Um, and what, what's neat, uh, if you'll read my notes through there, verses 20 and 21. This servant is gazing at her in silence. He's amazed at how she is. She's actually running to fill the water trough, running back and forth to fill the water trough for the camels. He's amazed, and he knows, hey, this is the one. So he asked, hey, do you have room uh, in your father's house to spend the night? Verse 23. She says, verse 25, hey, we have room. So then when he meets the family, her brother comes up. What's her brother's name? Laban. Well, that's an interesting name. A little bit later in Genesis, we're going to hear about Laban again uh, a little bit later. But um, Laban and, and the father are there. And so this servant, they offer him something to eat. He says, wait, I need something to say. And notice verse 50 um, the servant goes through all the story, and at verse 50, what's Laban and the father's uh, reaction? You might want to highlight it. Then Laban and Bethuel answer and said, This thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you good or bad. Behold, Rebekah is before, her. before you take her and go. Let her be the wife of your master's son. They know this whole story is, is too good to not have God's hand in it. And this is from the Lord. We're going to um, go through it. So she comes back and she meets um, Isaac in verses 63 to 67.
she keeps a veil on her face until uh, they're married, and um, uh, she's very beautiful, we're told, and um, uh, they're, they're married. Chapter 25, real quickly, we're told that Abraham died. Verse 8, he died of an old man full of years gathered to his people. He was buried in the same place near his wife. I just want to point out in um, chapter Hebrews 11, just real quick, we read just a few passages, a few verses about there, about Abraham being as good as dead. But one thing we're told is that Abraham lived in his whole life in tents. In Hebrews 11, chapter 8 through 10, if you look at the bottom of your page there, but he was looking for a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And that's heaven. Even though he lived in tents his whole life, he's looking toward heaven, we're told in Hebrews 11. He also, we're told in Hebrews 11, that uh, he knew that we're just strangers and exiles on this earth. So I hope that we realize that, that there's promise for us too, that we're just strangers and exiles here on this earth, and we're looking toward heaven. Thank you for your attention.